0: hey everyone welcome to episode three of the untitled themed entertainment design show podcast yes we are in your ears we're happy to be here and we had a fantastic show this week didn't we
1: we did it was really great we had uh chris katrak from scream and stream and uh, and a whole bunch of other people from from that project you know the uh, ops people the uh scenic design people and it was uh, it was really great and uh, we and uh, we really hope you enjoy that haunted attraction themed show
0: Yep, Halloween continues with this, and it was a great show, and you actually worked on this project too, with the sound design, so... I did, I did the music music
1: and sound design for it.
0: Well, without further ado, here we go. Hey
1: everybody, welcome. Hey Andy, how you doing? I'm doing good, Patrick. Hey, it's us. We're back.
0: Yeah, we're live on a very limited amount of <laughs> streaming networks right now. Uh <laughs> yeah. is gone. So uh, whoever is watching and where, you know, love to see how you are managed to find us.
1: Yeah, I wonder how much of our, I, I mean, you probably know this. Though. I, I have no idea what percentage of our audience on watches on Facebook. I think probably a pretty good amount of them, especially some of the uh, the older folks like me and you.
0: Yeah, Almost no, that's true. No, that, that that's definitely true. Um, no, we're we're holding strong here. You know, I'm sure it's all going to be great. Some things, you know, it starts off a little slow. We'll get we'll get things going. But yeah, definitely, um, we are not streaming on Facebook, which is just fine. But Andy, it's been a, it hasn't been too long, right?
1: Yeah, it's been what three weeks? Two weeks?
0: Wait, it's like two weeks. It's pretty quick. We're yeah. in our Halloween Halloween content, right? Big, has been yep. Halloween. It's so October first. Uh, we have a few shows in the works. Do you want to talk a little about the shows that we got coming online?
1: Yeah. Well, today, you know, we're very happy to have the Scream and Stream crew uh, to talk about that fantastic independent uh, Halloween experience that they've got. Uh, and then next week, we've got Rick West coming on to talk about all the local Southern California haunts. He's already he he uh, has already started running the gauntlet of you know like two or three haunts every night or every night that they can or that they're open and available. I'm excited to hear his report on that. And uh, yeah. then do we do we have another one after that? We do, don't we? Things I can't are, in, remember.
0: The things are huh? in the works.
1: Yeah, other things are in the works.
0: Yeah. So as always, if you're joining us on YouTube uh, or Facebook, or, well, you're not right now, unless you're watching a uh, later recording of this, um, join us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, follow us on all the social channels. We have a Slack channel um as well where people can join and exchange information about themed entertainment themed experience design which is all, always great and uh also this is a broad this will be broadcasted out as a podcast so if you are listening uh as a podcast hello it's great to be in your ears and uh you know stay tuned for more um the podcast is out on a lot of different channels um it should be uh, by the time this airs of course it will be uh, it'll be on a apple uh you know apple podcast as well there's a couple more whistles to go through there but um that's great so if you're listening there is content and some uh, images that we're going to be um showcasing during the show and you know tune in whenever you like over on youtube and to catch
1: up. yeah it'll all be there forever as far as we can tell
0: yeah so why don't we go uh, go through the news
1: well you know uh the Walt Disney World 50th anniversary is a thing that happened last week. And uh, we're all, I was very excited to see all the new offerings. And, you know, uh, you know, I was there for the Disneyland 50th. I was there all the time. I was there on the day. Yeah. And uh, it was very exciting. I can only imagine how exciting it was to be there uh, on, what was it, Friday? Were you there on Friday at, at the Magic Kingdom? No. <laughs> you just... I, you're just,
0: I was... <laughs> um... Well, uh, well, uh, so it was blocked out. So it's been booked out and blocked out for months with the park Path reservation system. Um, Yeah, I went to Epcot though, didn't you? uh, I I saw. I went. I went a couple days. I went to the preview day of Harmonious and the Beacon from Spaceship Earth on Wednesday night, Mm. and that was a lot of fun. So watching the new shows and um, seeing the Beacon was great. And so I did see that. And then um, yeah, just kind of like similar to you, I I was there like May third. They did the premiere of Remember Dreams Come True, uh, the soft opening day for that. And I was there for, were you there on that day or were you there a little, a little bit later on? For, I uh, think
1: I was, 50th. I think I was there right around then. But then I was also there actually on July 17th. We waited We waited in line at, at DCA all night. Yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah right. and then we were some of the first people in when it was like, you know, you walked, walking on Main Street and the whole cast just lined up Main Street, you know, clapping and saying, welcome home. And I was like, ugly crying.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah that's 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 always fun i i mean I, I i i i hope to be able to make it to epcot's 40th next year on october 1st that's uh you know epcot for me has a little bit more nostalgia than magic kingdom does but oh it's it's uh you know they're they're doing their 18 month celebration so
1: make your make your reservation uh, now
0: <laughs> yeah I, I
1: don't know so patrick i don't know if you notice i'm wearing my my fort yeah, lauderdale yeah. t-shirt let's get a full camera uh, let's see zoom in have, have you have you been to the my at fort lauderdale
0: no never even heard of it
1: you haven't heard okay so i love the Maikai. i'm i'm not like a tiki person but i'm a discerning consumer of polynesian reviews and restaurants like the Maikai, which is uh, was when it was before it uh was flood damaged and water damaged and wind damaged uh last year or earlier this year last year i think um They had to close due to covid and then during covid a storm collapsed the uh the roof into the kitchen and there was a water main leak it was just like the whole place just started crumbling falling apart and and there was a lot of people that love the maikai like myself it's it's this huge complex of old polynesian style buildings and gardens and they have a dinner show like let's like a you have sit down have dinner and watch a show a polynesian themed show and it's just fantastic amazing cocktails and bar and it's just an overall incredible experience and i love it very much and i I just wanted to comment on our show that it has been brought back from the brink and it is being saved the barlington group and the mad room hospitality down in florida uh have stepped in and uh partnered with the Thornton family who owns the Maikai and start as descendants of the people who started the Maikai and they're going to totally rebuild it and preserve as much as they can and reopen it to hopefully better than its former glory and I will be I will be there as soon as I can when they when they reopen because it's an incredible experience and you have to come with me because if you've never been you have to go because it's it's like stepping into a time machine into the 50s you're muted Patrick, you're muted.
0: <laughs> it's great to have positive things, right? Uh, we have, uh, <laughs> along with the 50s, we know that the guy who the piano player's back at Main Street. Oh yeah, right Bob.
1: In oh no, I thought you. Oh, I thought you meant. I thought we were going to talk about Bob Jackson at uh, the Port Orleans Riverside.
0: That's another thing. Yeehaw, Bob is He's... back. So um, th- it's nice to see things are slowly coming back, and that is also, uh, you know. Positive. Oh, the, the
1: Daiko drum, the Daico drum group at Japan 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 Pavilion. Yeah, those, made, they're coming you...
0: back. So it's nice that things are coming back. You know, we know we know that. That uh, uh, you know, I kind of tweeted out like you know, I would just be happy if everything was back <laughs> for the 50th anniversary. Like I know there are safety restrictions in place, but it's 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 good to see things coming back online, including that restaurant or that 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 bar you're talking about. But no, I can't I can't wait to go. I'm going to hold you to that.
1: Um, oh, yeah, it's gonna be great.
0: Now, I will say, um, we have a, you know, we have a lot of people waiting in the in the old uh, green room, as we say. And so why don't we um, go ahead and um, let's so those of you who have not heard about Screaming Stream, we're gonna play a little commercial. It's a little fun. And on the other end of that, we'll get Kristen here to tell us more. Okay.
1: Sounds great. Looking forward to it.
2: Get ready for the drive of your life at Scream and Stream at the Oviedo Mall. Drive
3: inside a top secret facility. Shoot zombies and clowns with laser guns. Save $20 when you buy your tickets online in advance.
2: Scream and Stream. Drive in. Freak out.
0: Well, there you go. Welcome, Chris. To the show. Feel free to scoot back a little bit away from the camera. You're kind of in. All
3: right. right. It's just it's like whoa. There I was.
0: <laughs> Welcome back. Now you've all you for those of you who don't know you've been on the show before. You did this very show to talk about Screaming Stream 1.0, and then uh, you came back to talk about the Jolly Creek. We won't talk about Jolly Creek, but Screaming Stream 2.0 is back. And uh, you know I have seen this experience. Uh, I would say it's better than ever. Um, but let's just go ahead and yeah, take us into a little bit on on the, the introduction to this.
3: Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having us all on. We really appreciate uh, having a place where we can talk about this. Uh, Scream and Stream 2.0 really started last year with Scream and Stream 1.0. Uh, you know, it was around the time when all of the mainstream Halloween events in Orlando were getting canceled or scaled back that we saw how popular drive-ins were becoming again because of the pandemic and one night uh, i was scrolling through twitter and saw a tweet from craft crafty ashley about you know how would a drive-through haunt even work and that stopped me in my tracks and i was like how would that work how how could you have that sort of experience but in your car and it was a combination of an effort to find a venue and to build a story and to operate an experience that lets people stay inside their vehicle in that safety bubble, uh, but still experience a compelling and scary story. Um, of course, we didn't have a lot of time or a lot of budget uh, last year in 2020. So we, we did the best we could with what we had and just tried to make, make do basically. But as we progressed through the weeks, um, popularity was high. We, we saw a lot of ticket sales and a lot of customers who wanted to experience Scream and Stream. And uh, as we moved through the nights, there was always something we, we learned we could be doing better. And whenever we could implement a better strategy, we, we would. And whenever it was impossible to implement a better strategy, either because of the limitations of the venue or limitations of budget, we just kind of tucked those ideas away for next year um so basically as soon as scream and stream 1.0 ended we embarked on 2.0 after a little a little break for our our sanity of not thinking about it but um everyone here that uh is with our team has basically been along for the ride for the most part from uh, from the very beginning so that's how we got to where we are now it's a it's a drive-through horror adventure and we've we've tried to up the stakes with interactivity and technology so that you feel like you're part of something compelling and uh and not just in your car driving through or driving by something i should say
1: yeah Yeah, when you told me about the interactive um element of the of the show the experience i was just like blown away i'm like my man that sounds like not only does it sound like fun it sounds like a lot of work and very complicated and good luck with that but you made it happen and it's amazing
3: it is it is a lot of work uh everyone here uh that's about to talk to you can tell you just how much work it is and i'm proud of all the hard work they're doing um and and it's paying off uh guests like it they like it a lot better than last year of course they should uh there's a lot more production value that's gone into it a lot more prepare, uh, preparedness that's gone into it. And uh, that's that's paying off in spades for us.
0: Well, that's great. Well, you know, I think that's a great introduction. And um, why don't we we'll roll into a clip here. Um, let's go ahead and do that uh, bird's eye flyover. And then uh, we'll bring back with a couple of people from the uh, creative team.
3: That song, let me tell you.
0: (laughs) There we go. So bringing on members of the creative team here, welcome to the studio. Great to have you. Um, Why don't we just go around the room a little bit and we'll have, you know, each of you introduce yourselves and what your role was. Why don't we start with Jessica first?
4: Hi, I'm Jessica Granados and I was a part of the scenic team for Scream and Stream. I'll let my other senior team continue on after me.
0: <laughs> what, what, what was that, Jessica? I think you broke up, unless it was just me.
4: Um, I was saying like the rest of the team can also introduce themselves now, like they
0: can also. Okay, uh, let's go over to uh, Lizzie.
5: Hi, my name is Lizzie. I am a senior at the University of Central Florida, actually right next to the Oviedo Mall. Um, I'm a film major, but I was also part of the scenic team for this year's Scream and Stream. Helped create a lot of the set pieces and organize all the cool creative fun stuff, so
6: yeah.
0: Great, welcome and over to Ryan.
6: Hi, uh, my name is Ryan. I had some slides with images. I'm not sure if this is the time to uh, yes, to pull those up, um, but I'm a, currently a senior at the Savannah College of Art and Design in Savannah, Georgia. Um, Scream and Stream last year was the first sort of job I ever worked in the industry. I was a scenic artist intern, um, and it was truly the most fun I'd ever had in my entire life uh, at that point. I was so excited to finally be doing it. Um, And then I came back to SCAD. I'm currently president of the TEA at SCAD Club, and I wanted to shout out the members of that club because they're all incredible. Um, I also, just a kind of fun thing, I used to work at Pirates of the Caribbean uh, during a DCP, so that was really fun too. Um, and most recently uh, with Lissy actually, we got to work on the Dead Vines House at SeaWorld Talos Scream this year. Um, and that was also just a great opportunity. So I'm excited to be here, thank you.
0: Great, awesome. Well, did anybody else have any slides? Uh, if I missed, well, they were too quick, we can go back. Yep,
6: go ahead. Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's us it. Yeah.
5: I'm sure they'll get here eventually. <laughs> awesome, yeah. So uh, I really wanted to include this clown at the top of the screen because that's a set piece for Scream and Stream. Um, and I think it's like one of the things that highlights how fun and how much like uh, creative freedom we had with this project. Um, so yeah, like Ryan said, uh, we worked on Hello Scream, specifically the House Dead Vines. So included some little behind the scenes of that but yeah and then there's me doing my film stuff making set pieces for that too so thanks for putting those slides up <laughs> oh.
0: and then andy garfield uh, i believe you also are going to be introducing yourself oh are we doing that now <laughs> that's
1: fine too um i'm andy garfield co-host of the show um <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did a tiny little bit of music for last year's Scream and Stream uh, down in the, the bayou, the swamp, whatever. Uh, but this year, uh, my role expanded dramatically uh, to creating the entire, most of the soundscape and music for the entire attraction uh, by combining dialogue, sound effects and music to help move the story along in the experience. And my background is I've been doing music and sound for themed entertainment for over 25 years now. Um, and uh, you can also hear my work uh, at Universal Studios Orlando during uh, Marathon of Mayhem, which I created the soundtrack for this year. The, flagship,
3: year. the flagship water show in Orlando right now. Yeah, I
1: said <laughs> I, I'm not going to comment on that, but I'm glad you enjoy it. <laughs> That's what I said.
3: That's great. So uh, we'll be
0: talking a bit more about the operations a bit later and uh, but now we're really going to tone in on just the design process. So, um, you know, I'll fill these questions out and whoever feels like they're most, you know, applicable to do it, uh, answer the question. So first up, uh, how long ago did you guys begin the design process? That might be Chris, probably.
3: Yeah. um, I mean, honestly, we started getting renderings in around January of twenty twenty one. I think that was the first time I sent out commissions for various pieces. Um, you know, a lot goes on in the beginning months of a Halloween event. And uh, to be perfectly honest with you about our situation for the first three months of the year, we firmly believed we'd be back at our same venue. So we operated under that assumption for a while and started pulling out designs, uh, based on that venue. Um, it was in between March and May where we started realizing that our um, our venue may have to change. So we started looking at uh, new venues and, of course, all the designs got thrown out uh, when that happened. So it was really around, I would say, July, maybe August, when we got serious about um, new designs and how that would correlate to the new venue that we were able to secure at the Oviedo Mall. Gotcha. That's
0: great. So yeah, these, these are a very lengthy processes, right? Um, and then, you know, we actually just had Andrew join us a little bit late. Um, Andrew, you're also a part of this uh, the, the design process. Do you want to give us a little background on you?
7: Sure. Um, I also have some slides that are there if they want to get thrown up. Um, my name is Andrew Duguay. I've been working in uh, themed entertainment for quite a while. I built my first haunted house in seventh grade. And uh, amateur level, obviously, and since just love it so much. Uh, I've been working for HHN for a number of years now. Some of the slides show some work there. And um, I worked Screaming Stream last year, was happy to come back this year, uh, and also did a little SeaWorld uh, Hello Scream work this year as well. So, um, ah, yes, this is, this is the first room I ever built. Uh, I'm very proud of it, it is still my favorite. And um, I brought all the stuff that I learned at Halloween Horror Nights to Scream and Scream and really, really knocked it out of the park this year. I was very happy with it. Oh yeah, here, and here we have some stuff that people might recognize. Uh, Stranger Things on the right was in one of the houses. Twister Traditions was in Central Park. A lot of pumpkins melted all over the place. Um, basically the team that I was on and that I ended up uh, being a lead for just took all of our decor, brought it together and made scenic pieces. And then we went and installed it into the park. So both of those things are ones that I personally made. Um, and then I have another slide also that shows stuff from HHN 29, which are, are uh, things you might recognize as well. These skulls were in the trees uh, on the right there uh, in Central Park and then Graveyard Games, which is one of our originals uh, in 29. I did all the vine work in the facade right there. so really proud of my team there but like i said scream and stream i brought all my experience from that and i brought it to scream and stream and and uh have had a lot more to do for scream and stream if i'm i'm being completely honest everything from the ground up from design like chris was saying um, on a couple of the scenes and and just haven't stopped
3: one of the uh the challenges with building a drive-through is you have to make decisions early on in the process about where the performers and the key elements of the scene will live and you're when you're dealing with a, a car there's a limited window literally a limited window of, of vision a uh, field of view for the the customer the guest um so andrew's worked really hard to make sure that that area that you see out your window is is filled with stuff especially if you go through our combat zones um it, it was basically improvisational scenic design he took Pieces that were available to him, or pieces he could modify, and and created um, a whole combat area, two combat areas actually, in the field of view for the guests out of out of nothing, uh, pretty much on site with no plans. Just what's in my head.
0: So it's it's kind of like that's you know we're going to ask you how does designing scenic elements for a drive-through experience affect your design decisions? You know is that kind of a major component of that?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anything that's lower than three feet to the ground or higher than seven feet is just is worthless. You can't really see it unless you're talking about things that are in front of you and viewed through the windshield. But even then, um, if you're a guest in the rear of a vehicle, it's harder to see above you. So you have to make sure all these things play from a car. And it's tempting uh, to look at a Halloween experience like this and think, well, we have to bring that same level of detail that you see at SeaWorld or Universal but the reality is, is that detail doesn't play in a vehicle. You have to design things that that play at a distance and that read as a distance, read at a distance so that you know what's going on and you understand the story um, because you can't touch it. You can't be in it. You have to view it.
0: Yeah. Well, and then so, you know, how does design It's probably more to the wider group of how, how does designing for a haunt experience kind of differ from designing other experiences? Maybe for those you've done, who have done both. Anybody want to ch- chime in on that?
7: Yeah, I'll jump in. Um, when I have worked at Universal previously and for SeaWorld, honestly, most of the stuff was designed ahead of time. Uh, so really, what I was doing was bringing uh, a, a drawing to life, uh, which is great fun. Let me tell you, the detail there is is immense. Uh, but here, there was uh, you know a rough outline, and Chris is like, "I would love for this," and uh, and I just kind of had to go and make it happen. And after Screaming Stream last year. Uh, I really delved into the carpentry side of things, and I've learned so much, and I uh, brought it all to Scream the Stream, and he's like, I want this to happen in this scene, I want this to happen in this scene, you only have this much space, and here's your, your supplies, so brought all my tools from my home shop, and uh, you know, made it happen.
0: Great, and Ryan, it looks like you wanted to chime in as well.
6: Uh, Yeah, I was going to kind of say like a similar thing as Andrew. I feel like uh, in terms of Scream and Stream, uh, Chris put a lot of trust into us and gave us a lot of room to sort of explore different options when creating things for this specific event. Um, In my experience, and I'm sure Lissy and Andrew would agree too, uh, with Hello Scream, a lot of it is already determined for us and we have to follow a kind of specific outline that they're looking for. And it was just really fun to have that sort of trust put in us as designers for this one, because we really got to throw in different elements that we thought would be uh, beneficial to certain scenes and things like that.
1: Yeah, I had a similar experience uh, when I got the script. You know, I you know, I got the script has, you know, what the dialogue is and some indication of sound effects and music and whatnot. But, you know, I have 58 seconds to telegraph the action of the scene you know but you know so it's so short that there's almost no time for like any kind of like sort of fun creative expression it's just like get in get out you know telegraph the information and and make sure the dialogue is heard and some sound effects and you're out
0: (laughs) well and and any kind of i'd say if you could expand you know you've done music for you know hundreds of experiences and and um what do you look for when you're doing a haunt experience? With the soundtrack, um, for and, you know, I know you also have Marathon of Mayhem versus you know the work that we've done in the past with Nickelodeon or, or what have you.
1: Well, I mean, this was ex- so one of the things that I have been I've done for a long time for various attractions and dark mostly dark rides uh, for you know theme parks built and unbuilt all o- all over the world is we do what's called a scratch track. And when I do a scratch track for an attraction, I do it to like an extremely high level. Most of the time I write original music for it and I do like super high end detailed sound design and we record professional voice talent. And sometimes, uh, you know, that some of those elements even make it into the final attraction because it's done at such a high level. So I basically create a scratch track for like, here's what this ride or attraction is exactly going to sound like if you just are on the attraction and you have your eyes closed. So it's like as close to the final as possible, mainly for the uh, stakeholders and creative people involved, so that they don't have to use any imagination at all. There's no question of what this is going to sound like. So I've I've had decades of experience of creating those kinds of things, and that's literally what I did for for this attraction. I just I had a script and I turned it into this you know storytelling soundscape you know with dialogue, music, and sound effects you know that uh, I don't know of anybody else could that does it like I do it in that way and has actual experience doing it like that. So Chris, you were very lucky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's great. So um, before we move on to the next section, well, now I'm all up. Um, love it to just to put it out. If you are watching on YouTube right now and you'd like to just throw a comment or a question, go ahead. I know there's a lot of people commenting, but if you have a specific question you want to know about Screaming streams, Stream, just go ahead and do that and we'll make sure we bring it up. OK, so uh, I'm going to direct this question to Jessica, let's see, um, you know, so with this project Screaming and Stream, you know, it's a, it's a pretty, uh, I've been to the experience, there is a lot of set and design work that happened, uh, which is really great. Um, and, you know, kind of curious, did you fabricate all the elements yourselves or did you, con- you know, kind of contract it out the fabrication? Did you find things? Um, can you speak a bit about that process?
4: So, what we basically did was we would have like a set of tools or like materials to work with, and we would fabricate. We would first design an image that we would want to put on it, and then we would basically uh sketch it out. We also worked a lot with like Andrew on like really cool like living set pieces as well, where like we would basically pitch an idea to both Chris and Andrew, and they would be like, Hey, if you guys can like paint and like. Assemble it like within a day or two, like time frame, we can get you the supplies to do it, and you guys can like help assemble and add dimension with paint and other uh, tools as well. So, we would,
0: um, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, great, thank you for elaborating. And uh, Lisi, I'm, I'm sure I'm messing your name up. I'm so sorry. Is it Lisi? It's
5: okay. Yeah, it's Lissy, it's Lissy. like Lissy, but with S's. Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, i think with this project specifically it was a lot of um utilizing what was given to us and like ryan said earlier we were entrusted with a lot um and that i feel like makes the creative process not only better but just so like much more like worthwhile um because it's like putting this sort of trust in your art team and your scenic team is so important to creating like a very immersive experience Um, And I know all of us love like haunted events and like haunted houses. So it's like, we know what to expect and how to make that happen. Um, Even if we're using like the most random piece of furniture or any sort of material given to us, it's really, uh, really fun specifically with this project. So, yeah. Great,
0: awesome. Well, appreciate all those insights. Um, Did anybody else want to add any more commentary to that or should we move forward?
3: I I would just say the day-to-day for all the the scenic folks here pretty much started um, earlier on in the process in like late, uh, mid-September as a general punch list. Here's a couple of things we know we need and get started on that. And then as install moved forward and we started filling out the space and I think there actually might be a slide Uh, CJ related to like the big empty parking lot. But we, you know, we started realizing in real time that there it is. That's the big empty parking lot. That's 90,000 square feet there that we had to fill up with stuff. And I would have daily panic attacks, looking at it, thinking there's nothing out here. And then we would install the truss and we would install the lights and the speakers. And then our first flats went in. And it still, it still looked really sparse. And it took up until probably two days before uh, rehearsals where it finally looked like something. And we just kept adding and adding and adding. So as we moved forward, it would stop being like a, a daily guideline. And it would start becoming like a mix of little punch lists of, hey, can you, can you get this? Can you paint that? Combined with, we need something here. And here's the script. Whatever you want to bring to the table, go for it. And I think when people talk about trust, that's what they're – they're getting at, and everyone did a great job just delivering unexpected things and uh, contributions to the project that really helped fill out the space. That's incredible.
1: I didn't realize it was so big, 90,000 square feet. That's 10,000 square feet bigger than the uh, Men in Black uh, show building. That's incredible.
0: Yeah, really. It's it's quite it, the size of it's very impressive, right? So, um, you know, I know we had the little flyover video of it, but that I was not expecting it to be as long as it was. Yeah, you know, right. It's like a thirty-minute experience, Chris. Uh,
3: there's twenty-one scenes. Each scene is around a minute, and combined with the time it takes to go through security checkpoint, which is a kind of a sub scene, and combat A and B, which are two other sub scenes, it ends up being about twenty-five minutes if the experience is working the way it should. Delays happen. There's no way to get a car around another car. So sometimes it ends up being more like 30 minutes.
0: Sure. So um, I'm just going to do a wild question over to Andrew. Um, what are we looking at here?
7: <laughs> ah, Okay. So uh, Chris and I came up with this idea. Um, there's one of the scenes, which you can see behind me there in the picture uh, where you're pretty much enclosed and there needs to be a, uh, uh, no way to see outside and it needs to be a big piece and chris is like all right well we can you know put some sides up so i kind of designed some sides you know out of a wooden frame and some visque and you can kind of see it in the back there um and he's like okay this is great but like we need to be bigger we need to have a big you know entry piece so everyone knows what they're looking at um, and there is another slide where um we have the finished completed project um, yeah the bfm compound is what it is but essentially Chris wanted this, this grand uh, entryway. And he kind of said, how do we do this? And I was like, well, I have some ideas and I kind of just started, you know, making things. And, and uh, there's the finished product right there uh, essentially. And he was like the whole support of the whole way. He kind of just got out of my way. And was like, look, this is what I want. And you seem like you have a plan. And I, I was with, with some help with some other texts, you know, they painted and, and tackled the project and, slowly came together. But, um, essentially when you enter the scene now, it's like an enclosed space and it's a whole different feel. You forget that you're driving through a parking lot, honestly. And it's one of our bigger projects. Um, but really fun to make. And, uh, that was, uh, one of the two big facade pieces. The other one was the clown face, which we saw a picture of them working on earlier that got actually lifted up and put onto the truss, you know, in the air. So those are some some challenging things to do, but they were they were fun nonetheless.
0: Yeah, and I I will comment on the next you know on that the facade that we saw on the next page. We're definitely seeing it like with the work lights on. So as somebody who experienced this experience, like you have, oh, you got black lights, you got laser beams. Like this isn't doing it justice. Um, (laughs) But no, that's that's great. Um, So now I have a question for a few of you, Um, you know, what was your most challenging or unique item you created for Scream and Stream? Why don't we start with uh, 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 Lissy first?
5: Yeah, so I know we keep mentioning this like clown facade, but that was so much fun to work on. And I can actually try and get a photo of it completed and like hoist it up and everything. Um, But we... We're pretty much just given like a clown facade to drive through so you can kind of envision that already like everybody you know um so that was one of my favorite pieces to work on uh, personally but something there's also something very cathartic about writing pins over a greenhouse over and over and over again um so one of the set pieces is like pins is like a uh, kind of enclosure and we literally just got to write pins 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 with spray paint um and everybody kind of joined in, like it was a fun time. Um, so yeah, it's just small things like that. I know there's also some sort of chalkboard uh, where there's like little fun Easter eggs from the team. So it's that's something really cool about creating these haunts, especially at such a local level is having those little Easter eggs everywhere, so.
0: That's great, how about you, Jessica? Same question, you know, what was the most challenging or unique item you created for the experience?
4: Um, I want to bring up one of the photos. is the BMM, the BMM compound, uh, BFM, my mistake, uh, compound fo- slide. And that was one of, like, personally, one of my favorite projects that we got to work on. It was a lot of a collab between the three of us, where, like, we were referencing the whole, like, keep your hands and feet inside the vehicle, like you see in most theme park attractions. But Instead, it is with the BFM creature reaching out to you in the car. It was so much fun to, like, actually design that, make that, and to know that, like, each of us got to collab, like, and do it, and to see it, like, as we saw that finished photo, like, posted on that board. It's absolutely amazing. And then another really fun, like, little activity we did was the other clown, those two little big clown pieces. Those are clown graffiti, which are in the pins and needle section and they're all done with a spray paint and due to the black light hitting the neon colors they look absolutely fantastic when you get to see like all the clowns like really um come up to you and you get to see like just the colors like glow under the light like those two were like my favorite projects to really work on and of course the clown head but like everyone loves the clown head
0: well, speaking of this clown head, let's let's pull it up, CJ. That we have it in the last page. Um, and then while we wait for that clown head or the clown photos, um, Ryan, how about you? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yes, Ryan, uh, want to answer the question?
6: Yeah, about- that's actually perfect because I w- I was going to say the clown head, so that that's perfect. Um, yeah. So um, mm-hmm. maybe a few months back, uh, Chris said he really wanted uh, this sort of specific looking clown head facade to be uh kind of leading up to the clown habitat scene um and i was super excited so i kind of threw together this sketch outline of what that could look like and he said it was good to move forward with it um and it was actually the last thing we all worked on i think uh all together before we all kind of were ready to open the event Mm -hmm. um and we were just trying to translate it the best we could to this sort of huge piece of wood that andrew had lined out for us um so we weren't really sure how to tackle it at first because I don't think any of us have ever done anything painted on this large of a scale. And I kind of just went in and free handed it with pencil to get an outline, um, expecting that I was going to have to come in and alter it in so many different ways and add measurements to make sure it was symmetrical and everything like that. Um, and then we all kind of stepped back and we're like, I think it might be good. And just somehow the first sketch kind of it worked. Um, and then Lissy and Jessica came in with paint and they made it look like this. and. This is my favorite piece in the whole event because I think it's a, a lot of fun. I like that we all got to kind of come together and work on it together.
0: That's fantastic. Well, <laughs> from the bottom of our hearts, I want we're going to move on to the next section with the next group of talented, experienced creators. Um, big shout out and thank you to Ryan, uh, Lisi, Andrew. We'll see you in a minute. And Jessica and, of course, Andy. Um, really appreciate you coming out um, here for uh, this to show off your skills a little bit. Do you have any uh, quick parting words before we move on?
4: Please come to Scream and Stream. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there we go. Well, you heard it here to hear first from Jessica. Uh, come to <laughs> Scream and I think that's a pretty fair thing. So let's go ahead and watch some fun kooky dash cam footage and we'll be back in just a moment. I got it, TJ. So scary. Well, you heard it. You saw it and heard it here first, folks. The smash cam footage. Um, wow. How are you watching, Chris?
3: Oh, you know, just enjoying my team.
0: <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, so, obviously, this is the premier Halloween event of Orlando, or the, at least the Avito Mall. Um, and-
1: <laughs> of, all, of all the Halloween events at the Avito Mall, this is the, the premier this one. This is by
3: far, far the, the best premier. so far.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, okay, so uh, in all seriousness, we have uh, new two two people who have joined this segment. We have uh, Josh Gunderson, and we have Jacob Eadie? Yes. Great. Um, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and talk about your roles, and then, Andrew, I, I think you should dive in a little bit and after them and tell us about what you did specifically, because you're your experienced manager, but I don't really know what that means. So uh, go ahead, Josh. Let's we'll start with you.
8: Uh, so I am Josh Gunderson. I'm the general manager of Scream and Stream. I also lost a bet to one of our performers, which is why I'm now appearing as Cookie Monster, and I don't want to talk about it. Um, So my job is overseeing um, just all these, the crazy fun performers that we have, our wonderful operations team, along with um, Jacob and Mia, our operations lead, who couldn't be here tonight, Um, and just really putting it all together, creating a great experience, not just for our guests, but a safe experience for our performers and operations team as well.
2: And my name is Jacob Edie. I am the performance lead slash stage manager for the um, event. So I am going in there to look at the performers and the characters and the storytelling, trying to make sure that everyone has a fantastic experience here at and Stream. And other than that, you know, I'm just here to help Josh in whatever way I can to be the best performance lead I can be.
0: Great. Perfect. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, Andrew, over to you. What's for your role? <laughs>
7: Okay. Uh, Well, obviously you guys have already uh, seen me. My name is Andrew. Uh, I'm the experience manager for the event. Um, Since I was around last year, uh, I kind of dealt with a lot of the problems and learned issues that I would need to face this year with of course, all the other stuff on top of it. And so uh, when Chris brought me back uh, at at a higher position, I was excited really because I love to build this kind of stuff. But each night now during operations, I'm there ahead of time to set up the scenes, make sure things are working, fill up all of our, you know, fog machines and spark machines and stuff like that, and then make sure that props are out, uh, props are not broken, which happen a lot, unfortunately, because, you know, with an event of this magnitude, stuff is going to happen. So scenes having issues, a lot of the electrical work, a lot of the stuff that goes into the uh, minutiae that you may not realize in the event is basically my responsibility. So uh, if something is down, it's on me. I have a couple of texts that help me out during the event, but uh, I'm just here to make sure that things run smoothly. And uh, if you don't see me, then it's a good night.
0: Great. Well, welcome to the show for those that are joining us. Uh, and of course, if you are watching the show, make sure you share it on Facebook. Oops, you can't. Um, share us on Twitter or wherever you can. And we appreciate the shares. Sharing is Caring. Now, um, I have a, co- okay. So the cookie monster costume has gone. That's a step. Yes.
2: Um, we promise we're professionals,
0: but quite, quite a remarkable, uh, I'd say piece of this pie is the interactivity. Um, I'd love to, you know, lots been made of this. I've experienced it. I thought it was a lot of fun. It really felt like I was in an actual video game. So you have a, you have a blaster you're shooting it at the zombies or the kid, scare actors. And they react in real time. It's really, it's really cool to, you know, be shooting at a human and they go Whoa, like back up. And I liked it a lot. I thought it was really cool. Um, you know, I know you, you all probably thought of what can we do different than last year. So, you know, at what point in the design phase did you actually begin thinking about this interactivity? Maybe Chris, that'd be better for you.
3: Uh, December. It was December, I think. Uh, Josh, can you speak to that?
8: Uh, actually, it was. Uh, just right before christmas um we got together to um to experience the joy of chris watching a horror movie and um we we got just got to talk and um just right then and there he's like 2021 are we doing this and of course i was wildly unemployed at that point so i was like yeah sure i enjoy money um and we we started having that conversation and we really looked at you know of course at that point and even now we still don't know what the world is was and is going to look like in terms of uh, the pandemic, and we thought, okay, we're we want to stick with the idea of a drive-through. It's a lot of fun. It's an amazing experience for a number of different reasons. What can we do to make being in your cars feel like less of a byproduct of a pandemic and more like something that has to happen? And what can we do to engage them? And the idea of you know, let's turn it into sort of that duck ride experience we all you know love going on men in black and uh space rangers and toy story mania can we bring that component into it and just from from that point forward it was all right we're we're, we're doing this we're going to make this happen
1: i appreciate you mentioning men in black <laughs> <laughs> for first yeah
0: <laughs> of course oh it's yeah i mean it's, it's really impressive I, I remember meeting with um uh, talking with Chris in the spring and and it was late winter early spring, it was, Really, it's very I was very I was like, kind of like, really, is it gonna pull this off? This is great. And then, sure enough, he did. Um, and so with last year's challenges or just the overall experience, you know, um, you know you have to manage um, the guest flow. Uh, last year, you maybe had some stop signs lights. Now it's like a little more dynamic because you couldn't see the car in front of you on many occasions, right? So, you know, what was the managing the guest throughput and then the overall timing um, to make sure everything was working as smoothly as possible while the guests are in control of their video or their own uh, vehicle? Pardon me.
3: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the goal from the beginning was to build the experience as much like a dark ride as possible. So we knew we wanted to put lights above the car and we wanted to enclose the scene as best we can um, with the limitations that we have and uh and we needed to have a whole amount of control so that means um as though we were inside a a big box dark ride there can be no other lighting so the parking lot lights get turned off and we have to control what the guest sees from their car to the best extent available and then it comes down to the sound and the effects which are all the other components of a dark ride and then What else would you find? Scenery, props, and maybe animatronics. Of course, we don't have animatronics. We have real people. And the real people are what control the dynamicness of the scenes. So each scene plays out in a 58-second or so vignette that's fully controlled by the performer or the operator in that scene. And all of our control boxes actually have four buttons. There's one primary button which triggers the main scene with the lighting effects at the same time. There are three auxiliary buttons, which can do things like stretch out a scene. Maybe there's a short delay and you want to give the guests some audio so they can hear uh, something compelling while they're just sitting there idling. There's also some spiel warnings like, hey, we've temporarily stopped. Uh, Stay in your vehicle, that's safe. Uh, Don't get out and we'll resume soon. There's also a, uh, a reminder that we have resumed operation and to continue going. And all of these buttons can be used In different ways in different circumstances they don't have to just be used for those reasons and it lets the performers pretty much um make the experience as fluid as possible and if you've never been to scream and stream 2.0 before it all sounds totally normal to you as the guest so you have no idea that you're you're experiencing the stretch track or that the green button's been pushed to remind you to go forward you just assume it's all part of the show
1: Sorry. I was muted. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've I, I was, you know, we, we've worked a lot back and forth, you know, working on the sound and whatnot, but I, I still didn't really understand exactly how it was going to work until I watched a YouTube video and saw, you know, sort of a POV and it was, it's a really cool experience. And, um, you know, I, I really wish I could get down there to see it. But one of the things I'm curious about is, uh, as far as the performers go that you know, how many performers are there in the attraction at any one time and how much of their roles are scripted versus like, you know, the, what kind of leeway they have for like improv performances as well.
2: So um, when it comes to the bare bones of what we work with, you will always see at least 25 to 27 performers on any given night. And then if we are, you know, just, giving you all the extras then you'll see probably more so close to 36 performers within a given night how many
1: how many performers would you say are in an average large-scale haunted attraction like at horror nights
2: um i can personally whenever i was working at horror nights um my particular cast was around 25 to 26 people or so um so i would think that perhaps that's relatively the norm for other haunted houses. And I can only speak to my own personal experience in that regard. But um, in terms of the question as to what was scripted and what was improv, um, there is a script and a lot of the actions are in some way, shape or form scripted and directed. And the expression of what happens behind those actions, that is where the improv comes in and the creative freedom comes in as the character. So I tell them what I'm looking for. I'm telling them the main parts that I want for them to hit to tell the story. And then from there, they have their own ideas to make it more fun. And then from there, we kind of carve out the experience and make sure that whatever they do, brings out the best both in the script and in themselves and whatever brings out the most longevity as well, because they will be at this for a few hours. So, you know, we make sure that they really understand the efficiency behind how to perform and how to scare and how to give a great time.
1: That's awesome. Patrick.
0: Sure. Um, So In regards to the whole interactive component, you know, what's that relationship with between the performers and the interactivity, how they're interconnected and elevated?
2: So the um, way that that all happens, especially if you come through, you notice that we are not just showing you something. We are showing you something that you can be a part of. So as the actors finish out their vignettes, there's normally going to be some indication, even in the music. Uh, In the sounds that they hear that will let them know, shoot it, shoot it now. So they immediately get snapped from just, oh, I'm watching something happening to me to now "I'm I'm watching something happening with me. I'm watching this thing go down because I'm in the middle of it. And then we also have what we call our combat zones. Our combat zones have no other rhyme or reason than the effect of shoot whatever you see. So um, whenever they come out of our scenes and they go straight into a combat zone, they realize that we're not always going to be there with some sort of narrative to hold their hand, like, okay, everyone, here's when you shoot. Sometimes it's just, hi, there's a zombie right next to you. Do something about it. And that kind of helps to keep people in that sensory overload type uh, mode that a lot of haunted houses try to do normally with other ways of lights and sounds. We figured out the sensory overload in our particular fashion by doing it in the way of sometimes you're shooting things, sometimes you're watching and then shooting things. And sometimes you're not shooting things at all. I guess you'll just have to pay attention and find out. And I think that that really helps to elevate the experience and kind of make it a little bit more fun.
1: What, what do you think in terms of uh, all of those things put together? Uh, do you feel like th- there's a re- repeatability? Do you think you can come once or twice two or three times even and have a vastly different experience or do you think it's or is it meant to just be like a one and done kind of thing
2: i definitely believe that people can get a different experience each time that they go um simply because of the fact that especially for most of the actors they might choose to do something a slightly different than what they did last time especially whenever you do get to things like our combat zones and other areas like that there will be a slightly more personalized experience different things that can go down and yes do we have our regular scenes of course just like any other haunted house will have their regular scenes but even whenever i go through haunted houses and other attractions you know we went through a particular haunted house four or five times and we saw something new each time so whether or not you have whether or not you have the same things going down all the time i don't think that you can just say it's a one and done simply because you will only ever take in just about 40 percent of whatever it is you're seeing and so in order for you to take the whole picture you're going to have to go a few times
1: at at the very least you know just switch sides of the car (laughs) yeah Well, yeah and and there's is there on that same note if i can real quick go ahead oh
7: sorry i just want to jump in real quick um on that same note about repeatability uh, I am adding and affecting scenes to make them either more efficient or more exciting or more good the first few nights, and you haven't been since, I've added lights in a bunch of scenes that were not there before. I've added some bodies in areas that weren't there before. So constantly improving um, as much as I can, you know, in my downtime, trying to make sure that the, uh, the haunt is as good as it can be.
2: And I am also personally helping to enhance a couple other scenes before we go on for this weekend. So you will definitely see some new stuff than what
3: you've seen before.
1: Yeah. I know I was editing one of the scenes last weekend.
3: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, these haunted houses, uh, whether you're at a, an independent, you know, family owned hot like this, or even in, um, you know, a large scale, high budget situation like Halloween horror nights, they're, they're living beasts. Um, things break, people call out sick, uh, congestions and roadblocks get identified and then in road cases of our event, literal roadblocks get identified and you have to figure out how to correct them and and basically massage out the kinks uh, as you go. I'm sure that uh, we'll be modifying Scream and Stream in small ways up until the very, very last hour, uh, to be honest. And that's that's just a reality of all haunts. It's not unique to us. Well,
1: you heard it here, folks. You've got to go to Scream and Stream at least three times. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, are there, so, you know, Screaming Stream's been on an incredible journey. It started off in the backwoods and the swamplands where, um, you know, you had a little bit of amenities, um, but it was pretty remote. And I got bit a lot by the Skeeters. Uh, Now, you're in a mall uh, where you're not getting bit. And there are also businesses around, and there is air conditioning if you go into those businesses, and quite a little bit different operation this year. Um, you know, Josh, do you want to comment on that of like just the whole overall move to the mall and working with those businesses, um, to help, you know, build the overall guest experience?
8: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, like Chris mentioned, we had originally intended of being back out in the swamp, which, um, we weren't overly excited about. We dealt with a lot of interesting issues last year, particularly wildlife. Uh, I was regularly eaten alive. And I think at one point I was just a walking mosquito bite. We had a rogue Bobcat that was like, I'm here to scare too. Uh, snakes falling out of trees, um, all sorts of crazy stuff. And so as we started to look into what can we do to enhance the experience, not only for the guests, but looking at the experience of the performers and the operators, because we think about them too. They, they are paramount to this experience and we want them to have a good, comfortable experience. Where can we go to do that? And we started shopping around for different locations and the idea of a parking lot was very appealing. And we saw quite a few different venues, but coming to the Oviedo Mall was probably the best thing that happened to any of us because not only did we come in and the director of operations here was immediately like, yes, a drive-through haunted house. I'm not sure what that means, but I am on board with it. And she worked with us um, so amazingly well, and then coming in and working with these businesses to really round out the experience. So instead of last year, for a lot of people, it was drive out to the middle of nowhere wait in line, do the thing, leave. We worked with these businesses here in the mall who are super excited because malls have changed. Malls are not the same as what they used to be. And we've got a lot of mom Pop stores here around us that we're really on board with, what can we do to get more people in? So we have places like in the mall, that's uh, Calliope Street that does wine and uh, paint nights that created a specialty wine slushy for us called the Zombie Juice, um the wonderful team at um district uh eat and play or eat district play if you're a vlogger um, put together a great menu for us um angela who works there who would be very mad at me if i do not say her name so you're welcome angela um worked with her team to create this amazing drink menu this food menu worked with us on our media night experience to really enhance all of it and make it a great time so when we do have those operational delays because um, things happen. Life happens. Um, we just went through a particularly insane weekend where um, we ran into some blaze, but we're able to point to the mall and say, hey, you don't have to sit and wait in your car. Go go grab a zombie juice. Um, go check out District Eat and Play. Play some, play some games. Grab some food. Relax. Have some fun. Um, Oviedo Brewing Company is right there. Uh, so it really rounds it all out. And so instead of just driving out and doing the one thing, you can make a night out of it and and really have a lot of fun with your family and it's it's great for the family because they're all able to come together and have this experience whereas at halloween horror nights you know maybe grandma and grandpa don't want to come along but here they're able to do that as well so i think the the move here and the the team here and the businesses here have been so welcoming and just open to all of the craziness that we've actually felt like at times that chris and i were just throwing random ideas at them just so they could say no to us. And they're like, no, 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 we're doing it. Let's, let's make it happen. And that's been really, really great and fun for us.
3: Yeah, that's and really it, cool. it doesn't but, really just, uh, it doesn't just stop at the Oviedo mall. It's also the city of Oviedo who has been, you know, so helpful and welcoming and kind. Uh, you know, they obviously have safety and the community top of mind, um, but they, they definitely wanted this experience <laughs> to happen. And uh, they, they, have been with us the whole way through permitting all the way up until last weekend, assisting in various medical and, and, uh, uh, police ways. So we, we appreciate their support as well. Honestly, Oviedo stumbling into Oviedo was pure luck. There's, there was no strategy or planning behind it, but uh, now that we're here, it's, it's really worked out for everyone in a, in a ton of advantageous ways. And, um, it doesn't just, it doesn't just stop at those, those uh, organizations. It extends to all the great people that have found us and are working for us, uh, and are coming to Oviedo every night to perform or operate the experience. So we're really fortunate.
1: That's awesome. I, you know, one of the things I was thinking about uh, is, you know, you've got this incredibly volatile mix of uh, performers and sets and cars that are moving through this space, how how do you manage the safety of the performers and obviously your equipment and
3: the safety of the drivers? How is, how is that planned and executed? Right. Um, that's, a, that's a great question, and one we get really, really often. It's only because Facebook is down that we're not being bombarded with our usual one comment <laughs> an hour of, someone's going to get killed. Yeah. Uh, That happens a lot. And I think when people hear drive-through haunt, what they hear in their head is uh, performers running up to your car while you're driving along a highway. And that's of course not what it is at all. Um, That would be cool though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. As long as, you know, you don't have to find insurance for it, but you do, you do have to find insurance to cover these kinds of operations and insurers won't just let you do anything. You have to, uh, you have to make reasonable accommodations for safety and, what it really operates like is a, uh, a drive-through um, at a restaurant. Just take McDonald's, for example. The window is to the side. Um, and likewise, all of our scenery and our performers are to the side. Uh, there's a lot of concern about what happens if someone gets scared and accidentally presses on the gas. Well, uh, it would be the same thing if someone gets confused in a drive-through and accidentally presses on the gas. You'd have a fender bender. It's um, never happened. It hasn't happened last year. And it hasn't happened this year yet, knock on wood. Uh, But there's no way that a performer or a prop or a piece of scenery is going to be between you and the next car because we don't put them there and we don't let anyone occupy those spaces ever, period. End of story. We treat our ride envelope just like a ride envelope in a real working ride. Um, You don't step into that space because you never know. In reality, you don't get scared and press on the gas unless you get confused. If you get startled behind your car, like if you're driving along a a neighborhood road and you see a a ball bounce out into the street and you get startled by that, you typically slam on the brake whenever you get startled behind the wheel. And we use traffic controllers to make sure that you come to a full stop before the core action of the scene begins and uh, you don't proceed until the scene is over.
1: Have you ever had any cars just break down in the queue and in the in the attraction? Uh, last if, year, they they Last year we had
3: a car break down in the queue. Josh, do you want to talk about that? Uh, I wasn't there for that, so no. Oh, uh, <laughs> we, we had a car uh, a stall or run out of battery or something in the queue. Um, you know, we we do have a couple of different plans for moving a car out or getting cars around a temporarily stopped vehicle um and that can vary from hey put it in neutral we'll push push you out or or we'll drive around you for the time being Um, it just varies based on on need
0: that makes sense so we had a question come in um from a a big fan it seems so angie you forgot to mention how you have personalized so many weapons for all of us as well and then maybe maybe you can just kind of talk a little bit about you know kind of to, to close out the show about the evolving the process and the whole overall experience.
7: Sure. Um, props uh, is something that I have done for a long time. I worked uh, when I worked at Universal. I did props for a lot of the scare zones, uh, so props is kind of like in my blood. And when I'm out there and I'm watching the actors performing and I'm seeing the scenes while they're happening from you know backstage, obviously being safe and wearing my safety vest. Um, I can see what needs to be done if uh, if a scene has black light and their prop is just, you know, painted a, a silver, like we have one of our props, and it's hard to see in the black light, then I'll, you know, the next night I'll take it and I'll hit it with some some UV paint, some neon paint. And then the next time they're they're out there, all of a sudden their prop is alive and it gives the actors more, you know, excitement and enjoyment. And then they really get into their scene. So uh, multiple scenes have had props reworked <laughs> or um, or painted a different way, or, or I've worked with the actors and said like, hey, would you like it better if it's like this or like this? Um, so a lot of uh, flexibility there on my side um, to just, uh, since I have the, the power and the trust from Chris to um, get what I need and affect things to make it to where actors are having the best time. Uh, and it really is an evolving haunt because every time there's an issue whether it is a backup in a certain area of scenes or if you know certain elements are not working as we intended and we're seeing it in the, during the run of the event i can go in and i can modify things i can move things um, i've changed an entire scene actually from the opening uh to something now which is more of a visual aspect and less of a performer aspect so Really, whatever the needs are, uh, I'm there to fix it. Flexibility is key, I think, with something like this. And uh, it'll be evolving, like Chris said, all the way until the last hour uh, of us performing. Because why, why would I not? If I can, why would I not?
0: Sure. Well, you know, speaking of which, you know, the overall operations
8: team, you know, how big is this entire crew? We um, Operations-wise, uh, we're running with a fantastic team of about... Um, 15 a night, um, which is actually quite small um, for the amount of work that they're doing out there talking to every single car. They're out there checking in all the tickets. Um, and of course, the the safety of the operation is in their hands. So they're making sure that people are fully aware of the rules as they're coming through and dealing with any issues that pop up. And you know, as we we've learned over the course of the run so far, there's o- only so many things that we can plan for and think about and say, this is what's gonna happen if A and B take place. And then Z comes out of nowhere and <laughs> and hits us. And the team has ad- adapted so well. We, um, as Chris mentioned, we did have, we had a technical issue this, uh, this weekend that shut us down. Um, for realistically, it was only about 15 minutes, which was amazing. We had a, a series of power go out in some of our scenes and Andrew and his team jumped into action um, pretty much immediately and we got everything up and running again and the ops team just knew in that moment we need to start talking the cars performers went out and we're still doing their thing and entertaining the cars that were still inside the experience and they worked really really hard to do this and that's that small team makes big things happen and then you factor in that we've um, i think as of right now we've had an average of about uh, 32 34 performers on a night that is out there really giving it their all, even though sometimes we ask them to pull it back just a little bit. They're out there really making it happen. And this, the team is so dedicated. We have some performers that we, we swing around like, all right, time to go on break. They're like, no, we're, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Um, we have a couple of performers who by the end of this run will have been seen by every single car and that has come through. And I think that is really amazing. And then in the the grand scheme of things, it, it takes a huge family to bring this all together and that's what we've become because there's a lot of things when it, especially when it comes to haunts that people don't think about that there is the human element that you know we before we open for the night we're all together meeting and talking about what the night's going to be at the end of the night you know the guests go home the performers go home the operators go home uh, myself and the management team are still hanging out and talking through some of the issues we're talking through what can we evolve what can we change Even last night, um, we were done by about 1130. We were still here um, late into the wee hours of the morning, chatting through the weekend, what could have been done better? What can we do better? What can we do to enhance the experience? And there's so much of that, that people don't get to see. And these hardworking people um, that sometimes are working a thankless job that we, We truly appreciate and I I told Chris this weekend and I've continued to tell him that, that I'm so proud of this team and all that they've been able to accomplish and all of the hurdles that have been thrown at them that they have cleared with no problem at all and so it's it's really, really cool and really, really awesome to be a part of all of that and to make it happen to scare the pee out of some people.
1: Well, to to, to highlight the performers again, you know, you you mentioned you have 36, 37 performers on any given night. What is the audition process? How do you find all of those incredible and dedicated performers, you know, from, you know, already crowded, you know, Halloween scape, you know, in Central Florida there?
2: I'll answer that. (laughs) Good. The audition process was one um, that I created a little bit you know from my different times as um a character and different things the main thing that we definitely wanted to understand with something like this is you have such a small amount of time to give us so much character and tell so much story and just do whatever you can to also scare people and then after that we shoot you so you want people who create strong acting choices people who are uninhibited people who just kind of immediately snap into a character, whether it is a zombie, a clown, a soldier, whatever it is, you were really just looking mostly for performance quality and more than anything else, teachability. A lot of our um, people that we have aren't always actors and everything is their first job. Many people work other just regular day jobs. You know, they are a hotel room cleaner by day and a character by night and they are, do, they are giving all of what they've got. And so you have to really be able to tap into that as a director, as a, as a stage manager, and understand that you could be training a person and ruling out that potential. And so that is a lot of what goes into a haunted house in uh, into scares like this, especially whenever you're working on the fly and you have to swing a person into three or four different positions within 20 minutes, let alone the entire night and having those people who are truly flexible, workable, teachable. There are plenty of times where I look at a person and say, look, watch this scene three times, then jump in. Because this other person's gotta go. And you have to have those people who are cool under the pressure and are just able to be like, all right, sure, whatever. And that really is our team. Our team is so full of people who are just down for whatever, whether this is their first ever acting job ever, or whether this is their twenty seven thousandth, and they are continuing to go. These people, all of them, every single one of them, they are actors. That's and awesome. We're very proud of them.
1: Where's your backstage area? Is it, is it in the parking lot or is it in the mall? We are we are inside an old
8: gymboree. Um <laughs> So we, <laughs> we are uh, we're right. And again, it was just really just dumb luck um, wandering into Oviedo and. and you know getting that amazing the amazing support that we have um and it's right you know you leave the parking lot it's the main entrance is to the mall is right there and we're right at our space and it's air conditioned we've got access to the food court um we just sit and ignore the fact that we're in an old gymboree but it's got space and that's all we care about and a bathroom that doesn't feel like you're going to get murdered in it
1: i can imagine a, a tea Test study or case study on this whole operation of like repurposing, you know, failing malls or malls that are in decline, and like how to use the space, how to you know how to revitalize the space and get get the public back in that space. And I think you guys are doing an incredible job, and I'm I'm personally honored and excited to be have been a part of it. And uh, thank you all very much for including me in this, especially Chris.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, give it, we're happy we to do it. I, I don't know. The audio is is such a paramount part of the experience. I'm happy to, that you're able to contribute.
1: Oh, thanks, thanks. I appreciate that. I, I I was so pleased watching you know the dash cams and the different PVS and people's phone videos on on uh, Instagram and TikTok and whatever. And like you can hear the dialogue, and I'm just like,
0: yes.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we kind of you know we asked this last year. Um, you know, I'll ask it again. Uh, probably directed to Chris who's kind of the owner of this whole, um, you know, dream scream team. Um, You know, we, we've known, you've kind of gone, you've done Jolly Creek in the past. You, you know, ambitiously did a a round two. Um, What's the, you know, you have all these people, you have all these artists, you have all these operations folks. What do you think is the future of Chris enterprise in in experience (laughs) uh, design?
3: Oh, I think, I think Andy Garfield already touched on it. Um, Repurposing, Retail is not a business model that we invented. Uh, you're already seeing it happen with organizations like Meow Wolf. And um, I think we're going to continue on that path. I don't know if that looks like a drive-through haunt in the future or, or what that will be uh, comprised of. But this is, a, um, this is a new world, I think. And uh, bigger organizations with more money like Meow Wolf have, have shown how viable it can be. Um, so we're definitely interested in, in going down that road and um, hopefully collaborating with all of these great folks that you see here and 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 new folks to bring all kinds of new experiences to areas in Central Florida and beyond. I
0: oh, think that's great. Well, folks, if you'd like to see Scream and Stream, go to stream. .com and you can book your tickets. You do have to have reservations in advance. Is that correct? Are you able to show up on the day? What's that like? You can like show
3: up this? on the day. but It might be a little inconvenient for you.
0: Gotcha. So guests come up, they sign online, they get it to uh, return time, and then they get placed in the virtual queue. Um, how much does it cost to do, to do this experience?
3: The price varies based on night. Um, the I think the beginning price is uh, right now as low as $49 plus taxes and fees. Um, so I think we squeak out with about 55 bucks.
2: And you can use the discount code ED ten, E A D D Y one zero to receive a 10% off discount.
8: And I'll give you a free Jolly Creek mug. Okay. Well <laughs> and that's a pr-
0: special and discount code for our listeners and viewers. We appreciate that. Um well um, and that's
1: that's price, that's price per car, not per person, right?
0: Yeah, that's a good deal. That
3: is price per car, not per person.
0: So it definitely seems like, you know, I went out there. It seems like you can go out there and, you know, make a little night of it. Go get some food at the district, get some zombie brains or the brain shot, all that kind of good stuff. And then you end up uh, with a nice scream experience. So thanks so much for giving us a behind-the-scenes look. Congratulations to your team. And we look forward to what happens in the future. Let's go ahead and end with that uh, dash cam footage uh, to the panelists. Go ahead and stay on. We're not going to go anywhere, but let's close the show with that. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thank like you. Thanks to all so the much. performers
3: in the comments. It's good to see you guys.
0: Yeah. Like, subscribe, follow us on Facebook, Twitter. We're on Twitch, we're on YouTube, all the places. And enjoy this dash cam footage. It's <laughs> so
2: scary.